0: Welcome back. We did this one over dinner with our friend Swapnail, who we met through Founders You Should Know. Apologies for my scraping of my knife on the plate. In this one, we talk about how AI product companies sometimes end up feeling similar because they're wrappers around the underlying technology of embeddings. We talk about how Langchain is interesting as an orchestration layer across base layer AI models. And we talk about how some of the large application platforms are actually figuring out AI faster than some of the early startup teams were expecting them to. At the end, you get to hang on and hear us get admonished by an AI for not using safety. And that's our ride in a Waymo. Enjoy.
1: I think that product companies are not as defensible as people thought they would be. I think there was a and I think maybe it's hubris, thinking that legacy players would not be able to like, quickly launch AI right. features. But the reality is... Platforms like Intercom, Zendesk, HubSpot, Salesforce, any of these like large platforms that are ripe for AI innovation, mm-hmm. the platforms are moving very quickly in mm-hmm. terms right. of launching native features. So nobody's catching them flat-footed. Yeah, sharp. no one is catching them flat-footed. Yeah. And I think that entrepreneurs, like early stage, uh, early stage engineers and teams, um, thought that you know AI feels as seismic of a shift as uh, you know on-prem to cloud did. Mm-hmm. It feels like uh, like um, a stepwise, like an order of magnitude change in yep. terms of like how workflows are going, what the relevant jobs are, mm-hmm. uh, what the relative workflows are. But the thing going on here is that like when on-prem to cloud happened on-prem companies were in a very bad position right because you'd have to do an entire like rewrite of your code base yeah. to migrate to on-prem and there's companies still you know going through that like Salesforce just went through their AWS migration mm. um, right like, I mean they were managing their own data centers until recently. yeah until recently like until just years ago maybe like last year or two years ago right so like that was a significant rewrite requirement. Yeah like AI is now accessible via just an API call, yeah, which yeah. is so transformative. I think that that is the most underrated part of the entire generative AI uh-huh. shift. It's like making it, in the past 15 years, developer-first products have come into the limelight and everyone is out here building You know, such strong, like OpenAI's API documentation is so underrated. No one talks about how good API's docs are, uh-huh. OpenAI, OpenAI's docs are, because Cohere has the exact same products. Right. And no, like, I don't know a single mm. team who's using Cohere to like launch their generative AI. Everyone says that like, well we're platform agnostic, but the reality is OpenAI just has like a strangle on the market because of really strong documentation, API docs. Mm-hmm. Um, a really strong developer community, like a developer advocate community, uh-huh. they're like launching new, um, Guides, notebooks, examples on their GitHub every week, basically. Uh-huh. I think the, the biggest thing that shifted me was just that, like, how fast incumbents are like, launching AI features. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing that... Biggest area that I, I'm most bullish about over the next like, couple years is actually like... I think that like, infra for AI is gonna be, gonna be huge. Mm. Some things to notice are like, Writer, which came on Founders You Should Know, right? Yep. Writer actually launched their own language model. Mm-hmm. They wrote their own language model and released it. It's like not GPT-3. They're not using right, right. OpenAI GPT-3. They wrote their own. They started with that, right? They started they with that. And they transitioned out, yeah. And over the past couple months, they launched their own model. It's a 5 billion parameter model.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that model is open source. Writer's mm-hmm. model is now on hugging face. You can, you can wow. find it yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with like embeddings and and, and so on? So maybe Jen, are you, are you familiar? Should I give you like a 5 second primer? Yeah, do that. Uh, so typically the flow for a lot of these AI product companies is actually the exact same. And that, that is what scares me the most for these product companies is that the bar is actually, it's very, very replicable. There's very little amount of like variance that you can have company to company. Mm-hmm. Um, so at a high level, you can imagine you have a data set that you're trying to do a lookup on. So for my product, which is customer support focused uh, we have like all your past historical questions that you have, you have your FAQ, you have your knowledge base, uh, I built a web crawler that goes on websites and explores uh, all websites and pulls back like DOM level data and then converts that into parsable information into like question answer tuples. All that data, structured data, is then fed into these things called embeddings. So an embedding is going to be like um, like just a... You run it through a machine like at a high level you run it through a machine learning algorithm to create a vector so just like uh like a single like array of like numbers you can imagine which represent um across multiple different like spaces how a um how an idea or an entity is represented so for example uh, if we just like look at it like maybe like five bits uh, banana could be represented as like one zero zero zero. Mm-hmm. Yellow could be also represented as one one zero zero zero. Like so, like banana and yellow are like there's like similarity. Two structured, yeah. Yeah, the arrays are like roughly similar to each other. Now, if you like uh, transpose all these like vectors into like uh, like eigenspace, that is now entering the space called like vector databases. That's how vector databases work. So the idea is like you take all this like structured data, you come, you run embeddings through it. The embedding is like using like GPT-3 to convert and find like some sort of semantics understanding of like this data. You convert it into these vectors. You have like very long vectors. Like, you know, they're like, they're one dimensional, but they're extremely long. Maybe like, typically the amount of, so the amount of columns that they have is called the, d- the dimensionality of the, of the vector. Um, traditionally, Pinecone's default dimensionality is like 1536. So you can imagine like this 1536 like uh, bytes in a row and that represents one vector. Now you take a lot of all these entities, so imagine you have an FAQ, past conversation, et cetera. You store them in this vector database. And now, when a new question comes in, you run the same embedding through it, and then you map everything out into like, eigen space. You take your new question, you take the existing database, and you use like traditional like lin- basic linear algebra. And, the most basic way of finding out what are the closest vectors to your vector is you use, use this thing called cosine similarity. Um, the fastest way to do cosine similarity is using a dot product. Uh, really, really easy to do. Like, as in, like, NumPy has made this operation extremely fast. Uh, this is like basically how all TPUs, how all GPUs are like designed. They're like designed to do. TPUs specifically are designed to like take these sort of like dense matrix, mat- dense vectors, and then kind of like dot product, find the closest one. And that's what Pinecone does. Pinecone is like a database which stores all these vectors. You give it a new vector, and it finds the it returns back the all the vectors ordered by like closeness to your vector. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, like you can do k nearest neighbors in Pinecone. You get back the top three, and you feed that into uh, these like prompts. So that is like roughly how a lot of these con- like these product level AI companies work. Um, and there's like a lot of research that's constantly happening. It's really cool because like platforms like Langchain are really standardizing mm-hmm. this like orchestration layer, mm-hmm. which is what, why I think Langchain is doing so well, right Like they were early in realizing that like building orchestration layer code is really convenient. Like no one wants to sit out and rewrite chaining different prompts together, right. even though like any engineer could do it. like any engineer could write. A lot of the primitives that Langchain is providing in like a day or two right but if someone is doing it for you and giving you a library to do it you'll just use it and it's kind of an abstract almost
0: protocol type
1: feel to it right it sort of like standardizes
0: the way that everybody interacts and that itself is like a really nice kind of touch point for the ecosystem to align around you yeah
1: and and you you see like a lot of that manifesting quickly because Langchain has like these um like ingest pipelines Mm -hmm. so you can like you can write connectors into OpenAI, Cohere, uh, Anthropic, any number of like language model providers have like a like an ingress pipeline into like LangChain. That makes it so that you don't have to sit down and rewrite a data connector. Mm-hmm. That's like the most basic version. Like that exists. Like that has existed since the beginning of LangChain. Basically, that abstraction, what you're saying, mm-hmm. has existed, existed since the beginning. What now is happening is, and it's really cool. Is week over week as new AI research comes out so like a couple of weeks ago there's a paper that or like a couple of weeks ago a paper came into like the line called hide um, and hide basically said that if you cannot find nearby documents to postulate and, and kind of like reference and create using prompts what if we just generated fake documents <laughs> <laughs> so like generate fake documents and then see like in the fake document space what are the nearest documents then Take those fake documents and then run that through a prompt to like get real data out.
0: But so, it, but it, how you generate the fake documents? I mean, there there must be some signal in that.
1: So yeah, so the fake documents like you can provide like maybe a couple seed data points, and HiDE allows you to like abstract and generate like the rest of it. Hmm. And so wow. um, HiDE, I think it stands for Hypothetical Document Embeddings. It's like if there existed embeddings, what well, which of these embeddings would you use and the objective is not to use the data generated right. from the from height. It's rather like... The, one of the key problems obviously in, in LLMs is hallucination. Everyone is like yeah. afraid that like mm-hmm. the AI is making stuff up. And mm-hmm. so like everyone's thinking like of techniques to like drop the hallucination. And one of the ways that you drop the hallucination is like you have... You have like a closer match with like the existing data set. And so hide allows you to like... Um, imagine what a document would look like for the question that you're asking and then converts like incoming question into like a document which matches with the same document schema that all your past data is stored in and that has like a nicer like lookup Mm. proximity like imagine if I was like having a database of like recipes and then I ask like which of these have cardamom in it that is logically it makes sense but the databases like semantic search may not be conducive for that. Mm-hmm. Rather, if I ask a question of saying, I have a recipe with cardamom in it, find all the nearest recipes with cardamom in it. Right. Like that just like shift in thinking leads to significantly better results. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Heading to Lands and Ducan. Please
1: make sure your seatbelt is awesome. Is you know, what? I actually tried I went to Phoenix, Arizona and I wanted like I wanted I waited like 45 minutes to get try out Waymo there and it never showed up. The lidar is crazy. Do you see Connected to Rider Support. This call may be recorded for quality assurance. uh Did you
0: do that? No. Hi, Jen. This is Hi. Leslie with Waymo Riders Court. Yes. I'm just calling to remind you that riders must wear a seatbelt uh, while riding <laughs> in a just, Waymo. Yeah. Uh-oh. Thank oh. you. Thank you. No worries. Thanks. I'll stay on the line until everyone gets situated. Well, that's it for today's update. But we'd love to hear your thoughts on topics and people you'd like to hear from. So hit us on anchor.fm slash O-H-N-S-F, or you can get me on Twitter, D-K-S-F.